0: It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pit fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide, and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSUNS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order each code applies once per email address so get those work emails and burners ready that's homefieldapparel.com
1: hello and welcome back to the loyal sun show that's at the loyal Suns on all the social medias follow us there follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss if you love having a future at quarterback and hate the NCAA Slide Rules, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, safe, sunshiny place for your Pitt Athletics Fix, brought to you by Section 5. All right, let's not beat around the bush here. We're recording this Sunday morning. Uh, Pitt lost a heartbreaking, embarrassing, inexplicable game to the Wake Forest Demon Deacon yesterday to move to 2-5 and five on the season controversial game um but let's just let's let's not jump right to the end here how we feeling post game what are your thoughts what are our emotions if you're watching the video you two have pit gear on i couldn't pull myself to do it this morning i i just have the steelers gear it's steelers sunday
2: oh i have pit basketball on we can talk about Uh, that masterpiece of a game that we saw a glimpse of later but We'll start at the beginning, I guess. Veyer looked really good, and we were passing the ball. Thought we were going to win 35-7 out of the gate.
0: Yeah, that first drive instilled a lot of confidence. Veyer looked good. The play calling made sense. Uh, <clears throat> and it very much looked like what we expected, right? squidders. I thought we were going to win this game by four touchdowns. Uh, Wake Forest wasn't letting that scout team quarterback throw a downfield pass, and it looked like things were very
2: much going to go our way. I think you hit on it uh, unintentionally there, David. The play calling looked like it made sense on the first drive, and after that, I don't think it did for a second until the last drive. I
0: I know we want to walk through the game first, but I, I can't let us going to a third minute of this episode without saying Frank Signetti should have been forced to walk home from Winston-Salem. Do you
2: think he realized like leaving the field? Like, huh? Maybe I was calling the wrong plays the whole game. Maybe every
1: third and three, I shouldn't have ran it into a loaded box. So the third down play calling was pretty head scratching. Can I offer some counterpoints here? Uh, Pitt went over 400 total yards of offense, had a 300-yard passer, 100-yard rusher, and 100-yard receiver, and did not turn the ball over once.
2: I think that supports our point. And we scored 17 points somehow.
0: We got got 17 points out of all of that. This team clearly has the tools and the guys to have a cohesive offense. And maybe, you know, what you're saying is... A plus for Frank Signet schematically, but his in-game decision making and personnel decisions are abysmal. To
2: get 17 points out of all of those things is unthinkable. Bub Means looked like the best receiver in the conference last night. I don't know how they didn't think, like, yeah, let's just do what We did week one and just throw it up to Bub. This time we have a quarterback that didn't make the throws. Well, they did. They did.
0: They should have done not to, more. Not not to take away from his stat line, but he did he have twenty targets.
1: I don't know what the final number was, but it was a lot. Um Yeah, Bub looked good and I and I hear what you guys are saying. I think there was we watched how many third downs that were like third and three. It's like, okay, let's run this let's run SIBO into a pile of bodies. Um, There was a third and one in the third quarter. I believe it was our second offensive possession in the second half. Um, Third and one there very well could have sneaked it. I don't think there was a single guy lined up over the center. Uh, Instead, we run a motion to the right side and run Sibo to that side. Everyone in the world could have told you what they were going to run. And shocker, they didn't get it. Um, So I I agree there. I also think uh, 13 penalties, 100 penalty yards, doesn't help either a ton of pre-snap stuff um i don't know what's going on up front i don't know if that's a if that's just young guys on the o-line new new guys trying to get acclimated um what what borbally's crew is doing up there so that put them behind the chains a lot um so yeah i mean listen i'm not going to give signetti any passes at any point i've seen enough of his offenses to know that I would like to move on after the season to a different offensive coordinator. Um but in in the scheme of things, uh the, I think this was far from one of his worst performances. I think I think they were moving the ball. I also think uh I don't know if it's a Narduzzi effect or if it's Signetti, but I think they were playing very passive and basically were okay trying to win this game 10 to 7 in classic Narduzzi fashion.
2: Yeah, last night I think I might have said this was my least favorite Cignetti game, maybe now that I'm out of the moment, had a a few hours to sober up. I can realize that I was a little bit extreme. We're not like that bad. But there were so many times the defense would make a stop. We'd get the ball. We'd have a third and short, like one more first down or at least in field goal range, and they would just do something stupid. It was infuriating how that game was as close as it was for the first half, I think in the second half, we thought like, okay, let's just get some momentum and put them away. It never happened. It was the same thing over and over.
0: I, I unfortunately have to give some credit to Dave Claussen. And I know we are number one. Dave Claussen is an overrated coach guys, but I, I thought he called a pretty smart game plan given what he had on the field I I thought it was very, very smart of him to have his secondary play back the way they did. How many, how many four to six yard outs did they just like willfully give up to Pitt? And the idea being, yeah, we'll give, we'll give Vayer the, Vayer's got an arm. Don't let him go deep. Keep everything underneath us and then give Pitt more opportunities to screw up third and short. Pack the box, play the corners back a little bit, let Pitt try to death by a thousand paper cut us, and then let a terrible offensive coordinator blow decisions on third and fourth and short. I I do have to give Klassen credit for that, but everything from there is just Pitt shooting itself in the foot. It's hard, it's hard to, you know, dink and dunk your way up the field when every third play call is a bad one. And, you know... Every other series of four downs, you get a pre-snap
2: penalty, and now it's first and 15. My big takeaway was Signetti fell in love with trying to do just enough to get a first down, it seemed like. We'd be like, all right, third and three, we have to get four yards right here. Like, Bayer was throwing the ball very well. We were picking up third and longs when we are throwing the ball. Just spread them out a little bit it was so predictable and so dumb watching the whole defense just collapse on SIBO. I think, I
0: think Signetti and Canada have a group message and I think I'm convinced actually at this point that they both know they're going to be fired at the end of the season and they are enacting revenge on the city that reviles them and chance for their firing and booze them every single game. Uh, by subjecting us to torture by this brand of football because it's the same we're we're about to head up the reds or whatever for the Steelers game and we're going to watch the same exact thing and it seems like they are trying to mirror each other
2: I did think there are some elements to that how when we watch the Steelers Kenny Pickett looks so much better in the hurry up offense or the two minute drill yes it's like oh should have done that the whole game. I keep saying the same thing over and over different ways, but it's just that.
1: I feel like it's we're in so the man. Twilight
2: Zone. <laughs> we lost a game. We scored two touchdowns and a field goal, and I'm walking away thinking our quarterback looked so good. We scored 17 points.
1: <laughs> okay. I I can't talk much more about offensive coordinators in the city of Pittsburgh, or I'm going to have like serious personal issues. Mm-hmm. Um Can we talk? a little bit about just Veyer in general as a guy, because I think this game, I mean, I think the Louisville game was nice. It was nice to see him hit some big throws. He also went 12 for 26, 200 yards. Um, This game, Veyer made several throws. So he went 28 for 45, 302 yards, two touchdowns. Um, And the stats are nice, but more than anything, some of the throws I saw Veer make yesterday, some of these deep, deep out routes, um, the deep ball to Bub means that for the game winning or go ahead, touchdown should have been game winning touchdown. Um, I think. We can confidently say now we have a guy to move forward with that we yes. have two years with, and that was That's my biggest takeaway, and that's what I'm going to tell myself for the rest of the week, that I'm not as upset about the loss, because I feel like after yesterday, I can say, wow, we have two more years of this guy. Like, did you guys watch him yesterday and think what I was like? I was watching the game. I'm like, okay, this is a real deal. Like, can be a top level of the ACC, like first tier of the ACC quarterback. Yes. Yeah. and
0: I mean, there's there's going to be growing pains, obviously, right? Uh, And that's it's going to be difficult for us to watch an offense going through growing pains with a guy who doesn't know how to call plays. So i bring it back up and then a defense that's doing things I've never seen a Pat Narduzzi defense do. Um, but, yeah, he gives a lot of promise and. There's a lot to be worked on. There's so many pre-snap penalties. Seems to be a lack of communication with the line sometimes.
1: And every third time... If only there was a way to get him a few more reps like before last week, you know. Crazy, right? Um, And we
0: don't have to talk about how every fourth pass is just like a clear miscommunication that he throws to absolutely nobody. So there's some stuff that needs to be worked out, but... God, can they just hold the program together and keep the recruits interested and keep guys from the portal while we figure this out? Because as terrible as yesterday was, and that was an all-time pitting, like like
1: first no, we're ballot, getting to that, we're getting to first that.
0: ballot Hall of Fame pitting. Um, but God, it just feels like if they can hold on while they work things out, we have a guy that we can build around—a
2: very, very serious quarterback. He makes tough throws. Guys who aren't good at quarterbacks don't make those like tough throws that he was making. I don't want to get ahead of myself,
0: and I'm absolutely getting ahead of myself, but I think Veyer's ceiling is like top three pit quarterback ever. And we all know who would round out that top three, and now maybe that's also a commentary on like Named the third best quarterback ever.
1: But like... Palga? Kid... Kavanaugh? Uh, well, Van Pelt. Van Pelt had the most passing yards. Sleeper, Rod Rutherford. Chad Wojtek. Yeah, so this kind of
0: proves the point a little bit. You know, there's, there's two guys that, you know, we need to build a statue of. And then there's a model of guys who also took snaps at quarterback... And I, I think he is, his ceiling is absolutely, you know, in the middle of that, which would make him top three. But I'm just saying, we have a guy, we have a guy, a certified yeah. guy.
1: Yeah, I'll take a guy. And, and I think we said this after we were one and four. I think we said, well, what what can the rest of the season be? And we talked with Noah about it. It's like if you can finish this season confidently, saying that your future quarterback is on this roster then that's that's something that's something to take from this season um so i think we have him and also i love that they let him throw the ball 45 times because best way to get better is to have game reps have those in-game situations so letting him throw the ball 45 times i love that um and i think that's that's what the rest of the season has to be, right? It has to be letting Vayer figure things out, let him have his growing pains, yeah. and get him as many reps as possible for 2024. So now that we've given our praise to Vayer on his performance, I, I think we have no choice but to discuss the the conclusion of this game, how it rounded out. Um, So Vayer gets the ball at 251, goes down the field, In about a minute 20, I believe it was. I I could have my numbers slightly wrong there. Basically, Veer leads a game. Go ahead, drive. Uh, Hits Bub Means on the touchdown. Go ahead, touchdown. And Pitt gives the ball back to Wake Forest. MJ Devonshire picks the ball off. Presumably, the game should have been over or close to it. Um, Then the ensuing events were the pitting the first Ballot Hall of Fame pitting that they had referred to earlier. Um, MJ Devonshire picks off the ball, and then everything kind of unravels. Uh, Donovan McMillan inexplicably grabs the guy who MJ Devonshire was covering, who was kind of wrestling for the ball. Every receiver does it when the ball gets picked off, and grabs him by the arm and drags him about five yards. Penalty flag comes out. First unsportsmanlike penalty. Uh, Thanks for that, Squid. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. First penalty flag comes out of the pocket. And then as they run to celebrate, he runs into a Wake Forest player who may have given him like a little form, but uh, not enough to elicit the reaction of shoving the guy in the chest and getting your second unsportsmanlike conduct penalty within 10 seconds. Um, So instead of having the ball at 30, 40 yard line, we're backed up inside our own red zone. So, so I'm, that's where it starts. So I'll be honest.
0: I'm just finding that little sequence out. As you said, I was at a wedding again. Please stop inviting me
1: to your fall weddings. I was at a gender reveal. So I was like half watching this. Actually, when Bob Means caught the touchdown, they had just announced that it was going to be a baby boy. So I'm like cheering and everyone thinks I'm. I'm like literally in sync with everyone. else, cheering yeah. the boy. <laughs> else, but I was actually cheering for Bub means, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, stop having babies in the
0: fall. Stop getting married in the fall. Uh, although congrats to Nate and Kelsey. That was a blast. Um, so, you know, I'm watching on my, on my phone at dinner. And all I saw was that a penalty came out and then we were back at the goal line. I didn't realize that Donovan McMillan fired up a, double unsportsmanlike conduct. Yes, he was ejected
2: at that point, wasn't he? I, I believe he got so. Two. Yeah, yeah. If you get two, you're ejected, so. But yeah, it was one of those things, as a guy who was watching in a normal setting, we didn't even really care. We're like, that's stupid, but this game should be over. Like, let's just do this. Close it out. doesn't matter. And then it, it's one of those things where you get to the end and you're like hmm, would have been nice if we didn't give them the ball at the 50 because of a terrible punt. That's my first dig at David's midseason MVP. Oh, Uh, please. Yeah. I've never been proven so
0: wrong so fast.
2: So you get to the end and it's like, well, if we didn't have two personal fouls on the same play and a bad punt and we gave up that big play and the slide and this, if maybe one of those six things don't happen, we probably win. MJ Devonshire. No, we did a lot of stupid things.
1: I'm looking at MJ Devonshire catches the ball, picks it off at 29, 28. And then Pitt takes their first offensive snap from the seven. So I don't know how that math works out, but almost a 30 yard penalty, whatever it was. Um, Yeah. So Pitt gets the ball back. Wake Forest has two timeouts. Th- I'm sorry, they had three timeouts. They called one after the Sibo first down. Then there was a penalty, so clock stops. And then we get to the slide. The slide. A controversial slide in the Pitt-Wake Forest game. Who would have thought? I, I mean, is anyone surprised
0: that the first game-changing implementation of the Kenny Pickett rule would happen two cost pit a game against wake forest <laughs> fucking stupid you reap what you sow i guess this is why pit is a coast cursed program
2: it was one of those things where it's cool to see all the national media guys on twitter tweeting about pit but it's always for the stupid things it's
0: what shitty is like by the letter of the law that's the right call, right? Like it's if you if you honest. read yes. if by the letter the play is is dead the second the quarterback initiates the slide, and they're like looking at your hips, like the second your hips start to drop, it counts. And yeah, if you look at the freeze frames, they are initiates it about half a yard short. But I'm a big spirit of the law guy. That is, been- that is not what it was intended for and you are not going to find another situation where a quarterback slides and they take them back the second you can tell they start to think about sliding. You, you They they put the ball where the ass hits. Every time. Except for when we needed them
2: to. Now, it was definitely a case of the referee saw where the first down marker was and he took that into account. If this happens and it's second and 20 and there runs for 10 and does the same exact run. They mark them 11 yards downfield. Oh, that I'm convinced that that was a big factor in the play. That ref was really pumped. Like dude
1: made it about himself. He, he, he got his moment. That was his moment. I was going to say, this is a perfect example of the official just doing too much. Mm -hmm. Like if you watch the play, everyone on the field from the pit players to the Lake Forest players knows we like Wake Forest's defense is like, oh, we just got beat. Like they went and got the first down. But the ref, the official, sees it is like, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Here's I'm my this, chance. This this is the role, and I'm gonna mark him a yard short. And like you said, the spirit of the role, David, like is I mean, Bart is blocking this cornerback or linebacker eight yards into the sideline. Like there's no threat of there getting hit. And it's like very clear that they was going down to stay in bounds to stop the clock. And like you said, by the letter of the law, that's the rule. It just, it pains me to watch like just some stupid technicality like that.
2: Exactly. If it's so stupid because if, The opposite happens in the ref. Excuse me. My voice is all fucked up. Yeah, we're we're all all struggling.
0: We're all struggling right
2: now. Okay, I'll try that again. We all sound Uh, like Louis Armstrong. How I can tell if a rule is stupid is if they mark that as a first down, like they gave him 10 and a half yards, nobody's complaining. Not a single person. If there's like a Wake Forest fan who's like – well technically, technically if you look at this screenshot here everyone would be like shut up dude they're they're
0: and getting laughed off of yeah they're, they're like getting laughed off of whatever medium they're spreading that bullshit
2: there are like six people on wake force version of panther lair like throwing a fit about it and, and everybody like, else
0: saying shut up dude like we had our third string quarterback in it was they fought whatever um my, my other argument is, does the rule not take into consideration that it, I think you could make an argument that that slide was almost a dive because it was a slide is you are just getting down at a specific point to avoid being hit that he was aiming his slide for that little one yard pocket between the sideline and pass The first down line. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, he wasn't wasn't hitting the deck. He was he was almost diving feet first for that spot. And I, I guess the rule doesn't take that into consideration.
1: The point was made yesterday that if that was a running back who had got the handoff and took the ball to the outside and did that exact play, he would have been marked down past the first down line. But because it was a quarterback, the lot, the rule designed to protect quarterbacks, the technicality involved. I, I honestly believe if Sibo had taken the carry there and done the exact same thing he would be given the first down i 100 percent believe that
0: i'm shocked that something bad happened the first time signetti made a good play call since the first drive yeah what a call i as as they was running that i was thinking like dude signetti's just in his bag the first <laughs> drive of games and like knockout blows just just has like has a play sheet a mile long for what to do situationally when you need to run out the clock. And that's the best thing I can say about him. Do you guys put any blame on Vayer
2: It's kind of annoying. I know after the game, Narduzzi yes. was like, "Yep, yeah, if you dive, we win the rookie mistake, which also true. I mean,
1: Narduzzi up... threw him under the bus. Yes. Narduzzi did throw him under the bus. If you dive, we win. Also, if he just runs out of bounds, we still probably win. Uh, there would have been... 50, what, what was, let's look at the time here. 50 seconds. 49, 50 seconds, two timeout. Time. 49, two timeouts. You kneel twice.
0: They get the ball nine seconds left. I saw someone tweet it. Yeah, yeah someone did the math already. Um, But he, he made a heads-up play by sliding in bounds. But it's like... It's like the galaxy brain meme. There's like normal brain running out of bounds. Then like the brain with like light emitting out of it is sliding inbounds. And then uh, the one where the guy is achieving nirvana, that is sliding headfirst inbounds. Like he, he made a smart play. I guess there was just a real galaxy brain play he could have made instead.
1: Yeah, uh, Narduzzi pissing me off moment of the week in his post-game presser was throwing Veyer under the bus. When Narduzzi is always the first one to say, like, yeah, our guy made the right play, but he got wrong. Like, but no, he decides to throw his new quarterback under the bus and then defending the Donovan McMillan pulling a guy Dude. off the pile play. So where, where Narduzzi's allegiances are, I'll. I'll never really know. I'll never understand. Um, and I get it. Like, yes, Veer could have though forward. He could have ran out of bounds. Would have been a better outcome. Um, but sliding is safer. Yeah, it's.
0: <sighs> I'm, I'm getting to a point. I haven't figured out how I'm blaming this game on Narduzzi past the standard like after the two after the 2021 season how could you say that frank signetti is going to help build off of that success the hiring frank signetti is the obvious like how this is somehow narduzzi's fault but i'm getting to the point where i'm i'm looking for reasons to blame narduzzi because i am i am pissed and i don't know where to direct it beyond signetti we are losing games we should win
1: and it is somebody's fault and i think long term I mean 13 penalties uh, you can always start there or we want to start there we want to blame i mean it's his it's his football team his football team committed 13 penalties yesterday
0: uh the defense that he spends 85 percent of his time with can't snuff out a third string quarterback who like probably got his jersey for the
2: first time this week
0: like i go back and forth
2: on the defense i keep saying like man they couldn't make a stop when it mattered the most it's like well they did, and then they got the ball back somehow. So eighty percent of the game, it was like great job defense. Maybe our offense can finally put something together here and get a lead. Did not happen. Could not happen. Had some interceptions. I How mean many w- sacks would have liked. Yeah, it, it would have been plays. You guys want to guess um
0: who had sacks yesterday? A.J. Woods. A.J. Woods had two sacks. Not a linebacker or a defensive lineman touched the quarterback yesterday. This is the worst offensive line in the ACC they faced. And I know they were going quick, getting the ball out of his hand quick, keeping it short because he is a
1: third string quarterback right a a sophomore but behind two quarterbacks who haven't been particularly good themselves right
0: and we couldn't we couldn't dial up anything on them it was pathetic
1: yeah i mean i'm defense fell apart at the end inexplicable letting them go whatever it was 48 yards and 40 seconds um but hey, we we tried to trick ourselves. It's, this isn't a good football team. There's a reason they're two and five. Um, there have been decisions throughout the year. And I think like all we can really take from this game is Veyer played well. We have some future there. But there's still a lot of shit that needs fixed. Yeah, this isn't... This is a bad football team, but it's
0: not a fundamentally bad football team. A team Miss that talent. a team that could very well be 5 and 2 but is 2 and 5 is not bad because they're fundamentally bad. They're bad because they do the shit that takes you from 5 and 2 to 2 and 5. Penalties, late game collapses, uh poor decision making, poor personnel decisions. Yeah. And that's what makes it frustrating. If they were two and five, getting the shit kicked out of them, like justifiably, game in and game out, that is one thing. We can we can sit back and you know we don't have to make a big deal about games as much on Saturdays. Just watch on one of the TVs we have set up, and and you know hope for some sh- for some glimmers of light, some air moments. Um, but instead, we're stuck with a team that just shoots itself in the foot by starting the wrong guy by calling the wrong play by whatever the fuck black magic happened by that sideline on Saturday. And, and that's what kills us.
1: It's going to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. It hurts. I mean, it hurts being two and five. It also, it hurts. It stings a little more being two and five, staring down two best teams on your schedule. Got a uh, heading into South Bend and then having undefeated Florida State come up to town. So it's going to be even crazier when we
0: inevitably beat one of those teams. Yeah. And then I th- lose to Syracuse.
1: I think there is like n- no part of me thinks we will be two and seven in two weeks. And that's what's so, hilarious. so fun and hilarious about being a Pitt fan. It's like we will figure out a way to win one of these games. Um, but I think that's we summed it up. We got stuff we needed off our chest about that Wake Forest game. What a what a just hilarious! I'll, I'll cap it off with this. Uh, we were bebobbing around yesterday up in Brookline, uh, getting some drinks at some different establishments, and I walk into one of them, and a uh, guy just stops me. He goes, Oh that just pissed me off talking about my pit shirt I had on. And I was like, was oh, this guy going to be like a Penn state fan or a West Virginia fan. And he was like, I was like, huh? Like, yeah. Like, Oh, you, my pit shirt. He's like, dude, I was at work and I watched the end of that game. And he's like, and I had tried to flush it out of my mind. He's like, I'm a pit fan. And I was like, okay, we're in the clear here. He's like, and just seeing you. your, just seeing your shirt just pissed me off. Like that. He was like, that was just such a typical, like, pit way to lose that game and i'm like yep we're all on the same team brother it, and we're you know what you and i are both gonna watch the game next week and i was like actually i'm going to South bend for the game next week and i'm gonna root my heart out he's like yep it's the life we live so we're all in the same boat here it, it is what it is it's being a pit fan um uh, before we log off here can we talk about secret basketball scrimmage please mm-hmm like five minutes on secret basketball scrimmage. um, Really well-kept secret. Well-kept secret of the video. Have videos. you ever seen highlights
2: posted from a secret scrimmage? Is that allowed? Did we break, like, an unwritten rule of secret scrimmages?
1: I think secret scrimmages have been around in the last few years have just garnered so mm-hmm. much momentum. So I'm, I'm kind of new to the secret
0: scrimmage. Will you guys just 10 seconds explain to me why they are a thing? So
1: every year, like, Programs of similar statures like power conference programs. And I'm sure lower level conferences do the same thing, but they set up these secret, they're private. They're just not open to the public scrimmages to get some preseason run in. And everyone always is trying to figure out who's playing who in the secret scrimmage, what the score is, um, who did what. Because at this point, college basketball fans are starving for any type of idea of what they're doing. Especially when their play. football team is two and five. Right, um, so around
2: this time of the year, it's really cool to follow like the main college basketball writers, and they'll just tweet out like reports, uh, pit playing Georgetown in a secret scrimmage this Saturday, or like UConn's gonna be playing, um, uh, like LSU at a secret scrimmage or something like that. And there's usually no footage. You just sometimes get a score, or sometimes they play Lucky like half a box score. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes we're like, oh um, they didn't keep score, but LSU looked a lot better. And all the LSU fans are like, yeah, we're amazing now. But for some reason that I'm very thankful for, we got like a box score and highlights and a final score from the pit secret scrimmage. And what was that final score? Pit won 7864. Georgetown has been great, new coach, but Convincing win.
1: They brought in a hair business. They brought in, I mean, Egg Cooley from Providence is the new coach there, replaced Patrick Ewing. Um, oh, he's good. A, yeah, they brought in a decent transfer class. I don't know that Georgetown's going to be a tournament team or anything, but um, to go in and win by 14. And once again, I don't want to put too much stock into this. And if they had lost the Seeker Surmage, we would not even be discussing this. And I'd say it does not matter. But since they won, I'm going to run with that. And, uh, Want to give a shout out to George Michaelowski, our buddy over at Pittsburgh Sports Now. Just read off some stats here from the matchup. Um Ishliget had a big day. 20 points, five rebounds, five assists. Carlton Carrington. A ton of buzz around bub right now. The other bub, the basketball bub. Buy stock um, now. Yeah, his stock is like skyrocketing. Like Apple when the iPhone was announced. Um Sixteen points, three rebounds, five assists. I mean, he's see the clips. He's hitting tough pull-up jumpers. Um he's just a bucket getter. Yeah, he gets buckets and I mean five assists. Nothing to nothing to uh just gloss over as the starting point guard. Blake Kenson, 13.7 assists. Federico, eight points, six rebounds, two blocks. Zach Austin, eight points, two blocks. Jalen Lowe, seven points. Panthers hit 10 3 pointers, fifty percent from the field. Um the, the videos, I, I've i watched it eight times now because I'm starving for pit basketball content. And just general joy. General optimism mm-hmm. about my sports teams. I'm excited. And this is a good start. Once again, it's October. You don't really know what your team is until like February with College of Basketball, March, what when it really matters. But... It's promising where the big question mark coming into this season is, you know, how are those guards going to hold up? They're going to be playing two freshmen and a transfer from Rhode Island. If the secret scrimmage has any is any indicator of what this season's going to look like, that backcourt might be pretty tough. And if that's the case, um, a lot of the other stuff's going to fall on the line, I think. If
0: guys not named Blake Henson can score, and if they can win games despite, like, Blake putting up a relatively modest 13 points, this is a team to keep an eye on, because he's going to be the guy. He's going to be one of the best players in the ACC, and if this is a legitimate supporting cast coming to form around him, oh boy, we could be in for a fun spring.
2: Yeah, this is extra nice to see. There's a few outlets out there and people putting their uh, power rankings or preseason predictions for conferences. I've seen a lot that had pit low in the double digit uh, finishing place. So I think I saw one that had pit 13th, saw pit 10th, and some other one. These aren't like very credible, top notch reporters, but still, it's like, come on. I need some optimism here. Like you're not buying in, seeing this. Help I saw support I, what we thought this team could be top towards the top of the ACC again. I did see uh, Archie
0: Rothstein says top three finish right. Archie Rothstein.
1: Archie Rothstein. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a lock. Yeah, you can. You might as well book it. Yeah, I think this is a team. I think there's a team that can be really good. There's obviously question marks, but the fact that Bob Carrington, I think Bub Carrington is the biggest X factor, maybe, for this team. I mean, the point guard position was always going to be a question mark, uh, even before the departure of Dior Johnson. Um, I don't know, streets are saying that they they pushed Dior out the door because they they didn't want it to cut into Bob Carrington's minutes. It's just what I'm hearing. Yeah, it's a word um, on the street. But if he can be like, it, you never really want to have to rely on a freshman point guard. But if he can be the type of player that they're starting to be some buzz around, like, oh, uh, could he be an NBA guy? He's a lot better than he was dubbed as a recruit. He's kind of just really good as a as a league guard. Um, if he can really pan out and be a effective, not even just a, like even just a middle of the pack ACC point guard, um, I think that's a big that's a big answer to what this team is kind of prayed for. Uh, and I, I'm getting too excited about a scrimmage that we got to see two minutes of highlights from, but. Uh, Basketball season's right around the corner, and I think Pitt has a real chance to build on what they started last year. It's going to be a very different team, and we'll have a basketball preview, so I'm not going to get all into that. But um, I need to be able to be excited about one of my Pittsburgh sports teams, and uh, Mm -hmm. Pitt basketball is absolutely the front runner right now. Capable, faithful. Cable Faithful. Maybe make, make a comeback. I don't know. Maybe. Can I return to my couch, please? Yeah, go for it. Um, Glad we hopped on. Glad we were able to do this. Uh, we'll talk to you all later this week. And as always, hail Loyal Sons of Pittsburgh.